that's right for this very special uh look back uh (laughs) (laughs) this is so smooth like jesus christ (laughs) um Wow. Has any podcaster ever had a, like a mental breakdown during an episode? Okay. <clears throat> Five minutes in. Yeah. Probably. We're not going to fight anymore. I'm also just a girl. I hate to float. Standing in front of a boy. Such a great audience. Come on, y'all. Talk is up in here. Welcome back to When Cinephiles Attack, a weekly podcast where five movie fans discuss the cinematic year that was 2023. Hey! I did it. First try. (laughs) Wow. I did not need to do that three times. Okay. (laughs) I'm Rashawn, and I'm here with... Josh. Mella. (laughs) Why did you go first? I'm reading... The script oh, in front of me. I'm so sorry. <laughs> so there. Oh my god. Is it going to be this? <laughs> Fuck. Is, should I be looking at the script? No, I fucked the order up. I'm Rashawn, and I'm here with... Josh. Mella. Lacey. And Sam. <laughs> Welcome back, Sam. Oh no. <laughs> Let's go. This is a professional podcast. <laughs> God. Take that, uh, Mark Maron. <laughs> <laughs> We've brought back one of our favorite people. He's not a guest anymore, as we just told him off mic. He's part of the WCA family. So please welcome back Sam Erdahl. Yay! <laughs> That's not fair though. I still want I still want guest privileges, please. <laughs> They're all you're making them up. We have no guest privileges. There's guests aren't a tiebreaker. There's it has for like, sure come up in episodes past. No. <laughs> With, if there's a tiebreaker, we call <laughs> former guests. Do you want us to call you? You can still call me. Okay. <laughs> Take it easy, Kim Possible. As we begin a new year and look back on last year, we just want to extend an always gracious welcome to our listeners. You are the reason that we do this. It doesn't work without you, without your love, your support, and we cannot express enough gratitude. So thank you, movie lovers, for being here with us. And, you know, all the socials and support and reviews and all do that shit, too. (laughs) But thank you. So in a year that saw massive change for the industry, uh, strikes, I believe, for fair wages, protections for artists, the end of a cinematic universe in the DCEU, the implosion of the Scream franchise, as Melissa Barrera rightfully spoke out against injustice and genocide, studio mergers that fell through, and a summer double feature for the ages. So here we are at the end, or beginning, depending on when you're listening to this episode, but the year is done. Goodbye, 2023. Good fucking riddance. Bye. Bye, Bye, pumpkin. (laughs) Bye, pumpkin. Get her out of here. Baldur's Gate 3 came out this year, though. (laughs) Game of the year. 
Look out for our PS5 episode. Clearly, coming in 2025. <laughs> <laughs> We're giving Mel of the night off. You guys have a blast. <laughs> so today we will each be counting down our top films of 2023 as of this recording, because there are still many things yet to be released, expand, drop on streaming, and we haven't seen everything, but this is our top films of the year at the moment. So the first time we did this episode, I went back and forth on the title because I think the word best or favorite can be quite interchangeable. And that's what we're always debating. Best, worst, favorite, least favorite. It's all subjective. And you'll get a wide range of taste between the five of us on this podcast today. I found this year a little harder. Personally, there were a lot of films that I loved and enjoyed, but I also watched things that were just incredibly made. So it took me a second, personally, to land on a top five. But what about you guys? Yeah, that's exactly the issue I was going with. And I kind of had in step with you the same epiphany of like, do I want to do it best or do I want to? And then I kind of locked in. No, this is mine. This is my list. This is my baby. So like it, it, it really came down to, I'll, I'll mention this later too, but my sort of tiebreaker for my own list was how excited was I to rewatch a movie? Mm. And if I was, it's an immediate consideration on the top five, everything else, like kind of, then I can kind of filter it through a different lens, but ultimately this is, this is, this is for me. Mm. I think it was easier this year because I actually put them on a list on Letterboxd. Sponsor us. Um, <laughs> so I didn't I didn't have to think that hard. Like I went to the list and I was like, oh shit, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like it was just easy to like write them all down. It was kind of like, okay, where in the five are they going? But two of those movies, I don't think this list is a surprise to any five of y'all or to the listeners, but a lot of those, like two of them, I've rewatched like two or three times. So I was like, easy, easy peasy. I think this year was easier than last year for sure. For me, it was like when I sat down at first, I was like, God, I don't know if I have five movies. Like this year has been so crazy. It's been so so tumultuous as far as the industry goes. I was like, I don't know if I can even come up with five. And then I looked back through my letterbox, sponsor us, and hey. like the amount of movies that came out this year is really astounding. And then once I went through all the movies that I had seen in 2023, it was hard to whittle it down to five mm. because I enjoyed so many. And I feel like quite an array of genres this year. My list is not going to surprise anyone, I don't think. <laughs> But it was hard to whittle it down for me. I kind of agree with you, Mella. It was pretty easy for me to find my top five. Or I guess a six with the honorable mention as well. But I'm constantly just like ranking the movies I watch in real time right. anyway. So my list was already pretty much done when it came to filling all this out. You're telling me you did the homework early? No way. <laughs> and I got extra credit. I'm so shocked. <laughs> Uh, Josh, when your list matches Sam, we're going to know that you cheated. So, right. Copy that. <laughs> Wake it up. <laughs> I think I can all but guarantee Josh and I's list will be very different. Yes. I don't think we'll have a single. We might have one. I think we might have one that. There might be one on there. Matches, but I think that's it. Ooh. Both of you write it down. 
Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, write it down. And I'll put a star next to it. So I've already written mine down. Oh, he's analog. Transformers Rise Hell of the Beast. Yeah, <laughs> brother. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we got five people. We got a lot of movies to talk about. Let's get right into it. First stop is our cinematic resolutions that we do every year. So just go down the line, talk about what you had last year, how you met that goal, and then what you're setting for yourself in 2024. Me, myself, uh, there was a documentary, um, Is That Black Enough For You? I made a resolution to watch as much um, cinema that Cater to was made by involved uh, Black artists. And I think I did pretty well. I had it on. I was keeping track on Letterboxd. And I hit 29 films. Nice. Um, including the documentary itself. And a lot of them, honestly, were movies I had seen before. Some of them were movies that I had no idea about this time last year. But it was just a really good, easy, flexible resolution that I think got me to watch some classics and also discover some new filmmakers, see some films from the past that have inspired more. So this year, I feel like I kind of always give myself a theme or a number to hit or a genre. I'm just going big and bold, and I want to break my record of diary entries on Letterboxd. Um, Say the line. Say the line. You guys are reaching for the moon and I love it. Sponsor us. (laughs) (laughs) Watch it happen in 2024, baby. Claim that. Manifest it. Manifest destiny. This year, as of this recording, right before the new year, my diary count is 242. Jesus Christ. (laughs) For the whole, for just one year. For one year. Damn. So I'm gonna go for three hundo. Woo! That seems doable. Good for you. uh, uh, More and more TV shows are popping up on Letterboxd, too. I do think they are dropping a feature for you to log series. Nice. So I will be quitting my job. And (laughs) (laughs) dropping any and all responsibilities. Um, So yeah, that's uh, that will give me a a wide playground to watch what I want, on what I want, where I want. Um, So yeah, I'm saying 300 300 diary entries on Letterbox. Hi, Papa. Okay. What about you, Mel? Um. So. I'm proud of myself because I actually did mine, unlike last year. Um, So mine was watch one movie from old Hollywood, a classic from the year 1920 to 1965, a month. Um, And I did. I ended up watching 14 films. It was super fun. Get it, girl? Thanks. Yeah, it was super fun. I already knew I love these type of movies, but I would never just like pop one on because there's, there's like so much to watch. And by doing this, I was like, no, like sit down, watch the movies you've always wanted to see or a new movie. And it was it was really, really easy. Um, I also find that I can't be very vague with the New Year's resolution. I have to like give myself a goal and a number. Um, so I'm going to do the same type of thing, one movie a month, but it's going to be a foreign film and also a Denzel film because I'm very slacking. <laughs> I am very slacking on my Denzel Washington um, 
films and <laughs> as a black woman that's that's not a good thing y'all so i am going to do a foreman film and a denzel film and i should have 24 films by the time we reach the end of the year and i and nice. we need five denzel quotes at the end of the year oh shit you got it you got it I was thinking about bringing in training day to the pod, so uh, no rush on that one. So I'll bring that one in. I'll help cool. you Perfect. I'm going to kind of piggyback off of Mel's so for mine this year. But my last year resolution was, was simple. I also wanted to just kind of downsize to an attainable one. And that was use letterbox consistently sponsor us. <laughs> uh, I, I only did it like every now and then. But I was, I was missing out on the community and the fun that is letterbox so to, to kick started i got the pro account for the year and i did it i logged everything um i spent more like i just kind of scrolled it like l- reading funny reviews shouts out to aoa debris uh like i just had a much better time on letterbox there's a lot of times where i would open my phone to like mindlessly scroll twitter and instead i went to letterbox and i think yes. it's a, a huge mm-hmm. improvement yeah um I'm also going to go with the the once a month thing. Um, But I need to just, I just need to kick it old school. I think I'm going to make it simple. I'm going to make it attainable, but I'm going to make it something that I need to expand my horizons. And I, shouts out to Rashawn. My goal is to watch uh, one Criterion Collection movie a month that I haven't seen. Um, Nice. I'm going to try to go the older, the better. I'm I'm really going to try to go pre- 80s even um but but ultimately a a criterion collection film i haven't seen before at least once a month is my goal this year are you getting the channel no i'll just find him Um, I fully failed my 2023 resolution, which was to spend less than $20 on rentals. Um, That's crazy. I don't know what I was thinking. <laughs> I don't know what I was thinking. Um, that was dumb. <laughs> uh, this year, I I have a habit of if I see a movie that is adapted from a book before I read the book, I won't read the book, but I think it's unrealistic to say I'm going to read the book before I see a movie adaptation. So I just want to be more consistent about um, comparing the two. Those of you who have been listening for a while, those of you who know me, I love books. I love reading. um, And I'd like to incorporate my love of books and movies. And like as a writer, look at the two mediums and see how I can meld them in my own craft by reading more book to movie adaptations this year. Nice. That's a good one. I don't think I had one last year, but I'll put one for this year, for this coming year. It's kind of a a habitual one, kind of like what Lacey's talking about, but mine is to try not to let my preconceived expectations for a movie ruin it for me. If the movie goes Mm -hmm. off in a different path. Mm-hmm. I have a bad habit of like <laughs> watching trailers and reading reviews and setting up in my head what I think the movie is going to be. And then when I watch it and it's totally different from my own expectations, I hate it. So I'm mm. trying not to be too like tied down to what I think a movie is going to be. The only way I 
have stopped doing that is like I don't if I if I really want to see something I don't read a review I don't look at a trailer I just like okay nothing about it mm-hmm. and yeah. then everything's just up for grabs because I've been there so many times where I'm like fuck this sucks I wanted them to stay together in the end or whatever yeah and then the movie sucks but it really doesn't suck it just sucks that we had that own that our own thought about it yeah I totally agree my problem is it's like I am so addicted to Letterbox as well. Sponsor them. <laughs> I mindlessly scroll and I just right. reading reviews is just so entertaining to me. So it's very hard it not to do that. But you're right. That is an easy way of trying to get that going. The trailer thing like changed my, because I was obsessive and I would watch a trailer like 50 times before the movie came out. Just because it was like a little kid at Christmas, I couldn't wait. But now, if I if I'm excited for something, I'm just like, don't show me anything. I'll I'll show up and then, yeah. It's also a sickness, but <laughs> as a reformed as a as a fellow reformed trailer fiend, it's I've started to do that a little more. I'm not as diligent as these two are, but like Rashawn will bring uh, AirPods into the mm-hmm. theater and duck his head and plug them in until it's done or have us if he knows it's currently happening send scouts into the theater beforehand to, <laughs> to make y'all sure really keep me young bitch yeah really do <laughs> <laughs> well that's why it's also like for me too i try to avoid trailers too which is why i know at amc there's 20 minutes of trailer before the movies and i will not get to my seat until those 20 minutes are up i don't want to watch them and you got a five minute buffer for all the goddamn AMC trailers that are going to show up. Well, I have to be there for Nicole. I have to see right. that. We were promised. We were promised a new Nicole this year. What? I don't AMC, want to see what happened. I don't want the new I one. I don't want it. I'm curious. I I'll just take, want to I see it. it. I'll keep the old one. And I want it to go down in flames and have a like a phoenix. I want the original one to come back. Maybe she <laughs> asked for like too much money. She was like, if you want me back for a second one, you're going to have to double my figure. <laughs> and they said. She nope. realized just how fucking popular they'd become. Great. We got some resolutions for 2024. We will check back in to see how everyone's doing in a couple months. Yep. 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 Next stop, we got uh, a list of five, but we have some honorable mentions here on WCA. We list our honorable mentions with a two-word description. I'm up first. Uh, This movie, first movie I auctioned. I was so looking forward to it. Had a great time. But my honorable mention is two words, Dynamite Trio of the Color Purple. My honorable mention so close to making my list i did not expect to love it this much but it was definitely a standout of the year cowabunga dude teenage mutant ninja turtles <laughs> let's go <laughs> yes <laughs> for mine i'm just gonna say it my two words are alien superstar renaissance work i i knew i was gonna love it it was like shut the fuck up we're gonna love it <laughs> It did not make my top five because I loved other movies a little bit more. It just seemed like a different category for me, but um, had to be talked about. Mine is similar. My two words are Mrs. Kelsey. Gross. <laughs> <laughs> I had to talk. We have to bring nice. in the Eras tour for all the reasons you. Oh, same. Did you? That was oh, Is that your honorable no. mention? <laughs> no, that's the one we have mentioned. Just for like purely <laughs> cinematic entertainment as far as like the energy in a movie theater, that was unmatched to any other viewing I had yeah, this year. Yeah, totally. 
Um, and mine had 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 a lot to live up to from its prior installments, but it just barely didn't make the top five. But my honorable mention, two words, Cruise the Quarry is Mission Impossible, Dead Reckoning Part 1. Or Lacey saw a ghost. I did. <laughs> Lacey saw a ghost when we saw that in the theater, dude. I don't think I've ever seen her more scared in my life. Weird. I almost died and I didn't know it. <laughs> it was a ghost. They're not killing you. You don't know what they want. Yeah, he, he was, was ready to watch too. Mission Impossible. <laughs> All right, let's get some superlatives out of the way. This was Cinephile made, so you can make up your own, whatever you feel, um, whatever qualifier you want to give. Oh, I love that I need to go first on this one. Uh, my superlative is best use of a bathtub goes to oh, no. Jacob Alordi yeah! <laughs> and ah! Barry Keoghan for Saltburn. No! Play the clip. Hey! I'm thirsty all of a sudden. <laughs> Oh, it was amazing. I love that. That was such a good moment. Listen to the slurps. <laughs> no! <laughs> My superlative is not very creative, but it's a needle drop. And this needle drop is for Ari Aster's Bo is Afraid. You have Joaquin Phoenix, you have Parker Posey, and you have Mariah Carey's Always Be My Baby. This is one of the mm. most... If you think the bathtub scene is crazy, I can't explain it. Just you need to watch Bo is Afraid, and you do need to get through about two and a half hours to get to this scene. But I can't describe it because it is so incredibly Ari Aster. It's funny. It's disgusting. It's dark. I cannot believe she signed off on this, and then she showed up at the premiere with a smile on her face. (laughs) Fuck. It's... It's wild, and I think Parker Posey is just superhumanly talented, and she's the only person that could have made this work, along with Joaquin. But it, I, I've seen a lot of things in a lot of movies. <laughs> this is crazy. <laughs> this is crazy. <laughs> Great needle drop. My superlative is most unwatchable scene. and i I envisioned this like we were at the oscars and we got that like little trailer leading into the the nominees um so most unwatchable scene we zoom in at an olive garden up to and we like pan up on a server their green vest over the table and they have the parmesan cheese grater and they just smile with a maniacal smile and say, say when? Uh, most unwatchable scene goes to the cheese grater scene in Evil Dead Rise. <laughs> Work. <laughs> I can't remember the last time in my life I looked away from a screen. And I, I'm so glad that I did because what's mm. happening Ooh. in my brain is even worse. <laughs> Dude. <laughs> yeah, that was like almost worse than any of the saw traps in yeah. all of Saw 10. Totally. And this is in the same movie that has the ponytail rip, which is nuts. Oh. Right. Oof. It's me. Um, my superlative is uh, the airplane movie of the year. Uh, the best movie to watch when you're on an airplane. Uh, and that goes to uh, Guy Ritchie's The Covenant, starring Jake Gyllenhaal. <laughs> um, the reason this movie won out is because, uh, one, I'm a dude. 
Two, uh, the plot is like not, I don't mean this derogatory. The plot's very simple. A guy goes to find other guy. There's not a lot of dialogue. There's a lot of action, but there's also a lot of scenic shots. So you can like, your attention can kind of be elsewhere. You can look up, you can get your snacks, you can get your drinks. And then the moment you focus back in on the TV, you haven't lost your spot. You know what I mean? <laughs> Best airplane movie goes to Guy Ritchie's The Covenant. Uh, mine is called File Under. And I would like to file Renfield under Nicholas Holtz is underrated. Yes, please. I think Renfield was so fucking fun. I think I talked about it on one of our catch-ups. Nick Cage is in there doing the damn thing. Uh, They just look like it was just a good old time. Super gruesome, super gory. Can't wait to watch it with the nephew. Um, (laughs) Good old time. When are we having the nephew on? I I told him, when we find the right one, he's coming on. I'll be crying the whole time I love him so much. (laughs) (laughs) All right, let's Let's get into it. Our number five movies of 2023. Ladies and gentlemen. It starts with me. Yes. Um, This actually is in uh, Josh's new category, an airplane movie, because I saw this movie on an airplane. And it is Are You There, God? It's Me, Margaret. Wait, can we tag team? Because that's my number five, too. I knew it was going to happen. I just didn't know when. Um, I love this book as a kid. I think I read it at the same age that she is in the movie, which is 11. Um, It was like a little mini Bible for me growing up. Like, you know, starting to like boys, puberty, friendship, like everything. And I think this movie is obviously a coming-of-age story at that very specific time in your life. We get a lot of of coming-of-age stories that are, like, high school, we go from college, but this one is, like, so specific that, quite honestly, I wasn't sure that I would be able to connect to because I'm so far gone from that age. But I think watching this movie, they tap into that so well. The casting is amazing. They put Rachel McAdams as her mom, and that alone is enough for me. I think it's like really sweet, it's innocent, it's charming without being corny or just for that audience. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it's just like a a very well-rounded made film. That was camp. It's amazing. You were in a play? Yep. Oh my God, it's incredible. What are those boxes for? Don't worry about that. I want to hear more about camp. What else you learned? What else did you hear? You're moving. What? Really, Mom? Sylvia. Oh, wow. You promised. We're moving? Look, it's she look, saw the boxes. Yeah, we, she was putting it together. I don't well, think she was. We're moving. Okay, just. Look, we wanted you to settle in before we sprung the news, but um, your dad got his promotion. Yeah, isn't that great? And we found this great house. Oh, the best Where? house. The best house. Well, that's the thing. We we got really lucky. New and... Jersey. Ah. Oh. New Jersey. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Oh. Yes, I can't agree more. I think what you said, Mella, about it being um, about such a specific time in a woman's life, Mm -hmm. that time is still so taboo. Like, we don't talk about girls getting their periods and girls starting puberty. And, like, that's still such a, like, taboo subject and, like, one, the book was so important to me when I was young because it was like, oh, like this is what's happening to me right mm-hmm. now. And I don't have anyone to talk to about it. 
So thank you, Judy Bloom, <laughs> for right. giving me someone to talk to about it. But it also does it without it being cringy or awkward or awkward in the best ways. Like right. the, the whole scene <laughs> where they're standing in a circle, we must, we must, we must <laughs> increase our bust, like trying to yeah. make their boobs grow. Like that is... It's not cringy, it's sweet and it's funny and it's like, especially as a woman watching it now, I'm just so happy a movie like that exists for girls to see and girls to watch. Um, And then again, the actress who played Margaret, her name is Abby Ryder Fortson, um, Rachel McAdams as the mom and then Kathy Bates as the grandma was just like it it was such a sweet spot to see her in um and their relationship is so great uh the dynamic of being raised in a two-religion household and uh well in a two-religion family and a non-religious household and how that changes and forms informs you I just like I watched it once and I was like, oh, that was really sweet. And then I watched it again with my mom. And then I watched it again on the Mm. airplane with my grandma. And it was like all of us were so touched by it in different ways at different times in our lives. And I mean, I just if you have the opportunity to go watch it, please go watch it. It's so Mm -hmm. earnest. It's so earnest and sweet. It also gives... Not a lot of movies try to do this, but it gives equal weight to like the children and the adults, and it cares about both yes. of them. It's so so good. Well, speaking of movies that are good for women and girls to watch, my number five movie is Barbie. Yay! <laughs> Another one that was just a really fun movie going theater going experience, and it seemed like you know everyone was talking about this movie. It was you know the biggest summer blockbuster of the year. But more than that, it rises above, I think, what where some blockbusters kind of stop and fall short. Barbie rises above by genuinely having effective performances and having something more to say than just pure entertainment value. Uh, and it looks fucking cool. It's the only one mm-hmm. of my top five that I've rewatched for a second time. And it holds up. Mm-hmm. Hell yeah. That was so much fun. My number five movie of the year. This is my horror spot. I think it's been a great year for horror. But um, I had to choose one. One to rule them all. And that is Thanksgiving. Nice. Oh, shit. (laughs) So good. This movie was awesome, dude. I I mean, what, 15 years ago? Maybe more. When the, the fake trailer came out. I had no idea that, you know, it would take this long, but also that the final product would be so good. Mm. And so it's funny, it's gory, it's tense, it's just really confident. And that's all I really want from slashers. And the best thing I think is that it deals with the killer reveal in, in a really clever and kind of subtle way. A lot of times the unmasking is like really melodramatic and there's a monologue and it's it tightened and kind of over the top, but this one is not that at all. And I think the performance is really great. 
um, I'll never look at corn husks the same way or corn holders the same way again. <laughs> it's it's good stuff, man. It's just really, really solid stuff. And now I think it's the start of a franchise. So Thanksgiving. Sure is. Oh, like like the, the corn. The holders. The yeah, I don't know why I said husks. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, someone do that? Cool. They do. It's it's they cook yeah. someone as a turkey. It's great. It's <laughs> awesome. <laughs> When's the crossover happening? You know what I mean? Thanks, Killy. Hell yeah. Bring them in. Um, My number five movie, I would kind of file under the biggest surprise of the year for me. Not in that I saw it and that I liked it, but I was surprised with how good it was. And for me, it is Dungeons and Dragons Honor Among Thieves. Um, Mm -hmm. The movie is, first off, hysterical. It's like funnier than I would have ever imagined a D&D movie could be. And that obviously goes to Jonathan Goldstein, John Francis Daly, and Michael Gilio, the writers. But more importantly, it looks so fucking cool. It's like, aside from like fireballs, obviously, it's all practical effects. Like all of the monsters, if they're able to, like if they're human size or smaller, they're all practical. Like the sets are massive. Like it just, it, it, it perfectly distills and feels like a D&D campaign with all of your close friends in a movie. Plus Chris Pine is at his most charming, which is, you know, a meteoric level of charm. <laughs> and it's just so much fun and I and all of the people involved have said they'd be willing to come back and do another one and I hope more than anything that they do that. Let's move on to our number 4 movie. And gentlemen. Surprising no one, I think that this movie is on my list, uh, is Hayao Miyazaki's The Boy and the Heron. I have only seen the dub so far. Yeah, I've had a lot of conversations about the movie after seeing the movie, as you do with any Miyazaki film. This is not an entry-level Miyazaki, I don't think. I think you need to go into this movie with a a knowledge of his work, a knowledge of his his messaging. It's a movie about grief and acceptance, and I, I think it's one of his most visually stunning films to date. It had a lot of ties to one of my favorite novels, which is called uh, The Book of Lost Things. It ha- it was very Wonderland-esque. Um, Mela, please don't see it. There are way too many birds for you. Thank you so much. Like Appreciate that. Way more than the heron, and the heron is already a nasty freak. <laughs> um, there are more birds in this movie than there are buttons in Coraline. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Um, so Mela, don't see it. All of us will follow this old genius man <laughs> um, to our own table um, and watch him build his tower of rocks, I think, until they're ready to fall. And I think he's a genius. I think he is uh, an, an artist in the utmost standing um and i was really really touched by what he was willing to share in this movie it definitely feels like his most 
uh, autobiographical. Mm. Or at least the, so. the, one of the characters, if if nothing else, one of the characters is like, oh, that's that he's that's just Miyazaki. <laughs> like that's, that's how he sees that's himself. Miyazaki. Yeah. My number four movie of the year is Past Lives. Mm. I think this. Uh, out of all five of my movies, this is the masterpiece. My entire list, all five, I think, are about the past colliding with the present. And I think this movie is the best example of that. Because your memories don't really stop the moment that you settle into your current life. And they're just ever-present and, and a constant reminder of like who you used to be. Mm-hmm. And I, I think love works in the same way. And this movie really visualizes that in a great way. There's a, a concept, a Korean concept called Inyun that Nora, the main character, played by Greta Lee, explains to her husband, every interaction you have in your life is not necessarily predestined, but maybe fate in a way. And... I think this movie is a really mature and human way to look at the three characters and how they navigate that because just because you're in love and you've chosen to live your life with someone doesn't mean that everything that happened before is erased. And it's it's really sad and beautiful also because, you know, it, it takes a level of maturity to not only recognize that, but separate it from who you are now. Um, I don't... I've cried harder one time in a movie this year, um, but this the last fifteen minutes I looked over to Mel and I was like, oh, "I can't." <laughs> and I was sitting there stone faced, drinking her beer, <laughs> unmoved. Um, it's it's really masterful stuff. The last shot is a, a tracking shot that's just oh. yeah, really devastating yeah. stuff, but. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. Yeah. yeah, I can taste the cute. beer still today. <laughs> <laughs> that orange really topped off the taste of the blue moon. <laughs> um, but yeah, masterpiece. IMO past lives. Celine Song is a, this is a great debut. I can't wait to see what she does next. My number four movie. Uh, is Poor Things. Let's go! <laughs> Let's go, dude! Number four! Poor no Things! Star! You did it! That Let's is, go! That is the one I thought we'd have in common. I figured you'd put that on there, too. Same number two. Wow. Let's go! Um, I feel like this would have maybe ranked higher, only it... When I rank movies, I also kind of compare them to like the other movies done by the same director in the past. I just like other of movies from Yorgos Lanthimos a little bit more. But I think this is a very strong movie. And also it was way funnier than I was expecting it to be. And the storyline was way more bizarre than I was expecting it to be. But in terms of like a movie creating a fully immersive, visceral experience, you you genuinely feel like you are in a different reality when you watch this movie just with all the production design and costuming going on um this movie transported me elsewhere more than any other film did yeah and this actually uh surprising myself even after realizing it when i walked out this is my first yorgos movie i actually hadn't seen any other ones so and i know it's not Mm. it's not in line with all of his movies i'm aware of that when i go back and watch some of his other stuff but yeah pretty much everything sam said it's fucking hysterical like 
a lot of people talked about how funny Mark Ruffalo is, but Emma Stone is equally as funny, and Willem Dafoe is really darkly funny. Um, and if there was, uh, I was positive that Barbie was going to like sweep production design and a lot of the tech awards at the Oscars until I saw this movie. Just like the set pieces, the costume, the hair, like it is. It's like Yorgos establishes this reality so firmly and confidently so early on that like anything that happens in it, any place they go, any set you see, any sky backdrop you see, you're like, yeah, of course. Yeah, that's what it looks like here. It's fantastic. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I loved it. Um, My number four is Faux, which I spoke about recently. Mm. Um. This was a surprise to me um, because I, I honestly don't think I would have seen this movie had Rashawn not just been like, hey, do you want to see this movie? Because um, I hadn't heard about it at all. Um, but I think this is one of those movies that kept me thinking for days. And not a lot of movies do that for me. I kind of just like go in, have a good time and just fucking like, cool, you know. But Head empty, no thoughts, like, you know. <laughs> No thoughts. We're here for two and a half hours. We're getting in. We're getting out. But this one kind of like sat with me for a while. I think because me and Rashawn also like picked it apart, and that sounds like derogatory or whatever. But I think we just like sat there and just talked about every single part of this movie and had the wheels turning. I think this movie is like really unsettling. Um, it's also a sci-fi and I don't really lean towards sci-fi a lot, but I think the leads again, Paul Mescal and Saoirse Ronan are just separate, fantastic together. Insane. I would love to see them in something else again. I just think that this is one of those where it is a slow burn. The performances in it just cater to that slow burn and make you want to sit there and be like, okay, what's happening? What's happening? So yeah, a surprising number four, but I really enjoyed it. I knew it. As soon as we walked out of the movie. <laughs> How you been? Settle down. You feeling right? You feeling proud? How your kids? Ladies and gentlemen. You build a boat. You build a life. You lose your All right, let's give out an award. Ooh. We can't have an episode without just a little bit of uh, battling. So we each brought some uh, awards to give out to performances of the year. Right now, we will be talking about the best supporting performance. This is both actor or actress for this specific category. So uh, present your nominee, state your case, and then we will be voting for one winner. My nominee for Best Supporting Performance is from the movie Barbie, and it's for Ryan Gosling for playing Ken, (laughs) which I still think might be the best performance of anybody in any movie this year. Just by taking a character like Ken and actually making him as humane as he does in the movie, because there are very specific moments toward the end of the film where you understand his sadness and where he's coming from obviously you don't agree with all of his actions and how he turns barbie world into a terrible place to live (laughs) josh josh is up in the major domo (laughs) 
but you you understand his pain when he talks about it's Barbie and Ken. It's never just Ken. And you see how he feels like forgotten. And I just think that's a really beautiful moment in a movie that's, you know, not necessarily about Ken. Also, it's about Barbie, but it sort of becomes mm-hmm. more about Ken, at least when I was watching it. And I just think that's crazy for Ken to steal a movie from Barbie, which is what I think happened for me. That's the problem. <laughs> Who's next? <laughs> oh, we're not doing this. Um, so mine is actually um for Annie Gonzalez in the Flaming Hot movie. She plays the wife. I think that movie is 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 fine. Like the movie I had a good time. I actually saw it twice. It's it it does what it does. But I think she is such a standout from that movie. She plays like a very devoted, loyal, but like kick-ass wife, partner, just mother. And I think the story about this family, about the Montañeses, is that they couldn't have done it without each other. And especially about her character where she never let him fall. And she's kind of like the backbone, not only for him, but for the family. And then obviously for the Flaming Hot uh, product overall. Um, and I think she just captured that really effortlessly and just really well. So that's my pick. My pick for best supporting performance is Tom Conti as Albert Einstein in Oppenheimer. Dude, <laughs> that's Einstein, dude. That's, that's Al. big Al. That's fucking like, Al. Jokes aside, to be able to land such a like, kind of what we believe as the caricature of Albert Einstein. Albert Einstein as a person is already a caricature, like the crazy hair and the like <laughs> Eureka type vibe. But like to to land that plane, but also make him like sincere and believable. And, and the weight of the movie happens at the end, especially in a scene with just Oppenheimer and Einstein. And Tom Conti is just like, he 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 threads the needle of exactly who we expect Albert to be, but also like, giving him the emotional gravitas and grounding of a real human being. Like he seems close your mouth. Uh, No, I was, I (laughs) couldn't spell it. Sorry. Uh, It's just E equals MC squared. Uh, Yeah, dude. (laughs) Big Al. Tom Conti. (laughs) My nominee is also from Barbie. But I would argue that she has a much harder job than Ryan Gosling did as Ken. And my nominee is America Ferreira from Barbie. Mm -hmm. America has a part that is quintessentially the straight man. But she gets pulled into this world of Barbie that she's desperate to be a part of. And so she toes the line so beautifully of over-the-top comedy while still being a real-world person. And I think that's a really hard line to walk. And then to still be able to deliver the gut-punch monologue that is what it's like to be a woman at the end and have it be so poignant and beautiful and exhausting. And I was just, like, so 
moved by her performance. I was so invested in her character. Um, she was the driving force of the movie for me, more than Barbie, more than Ken. I was invested in America and her daughter. Um, so that is my submission. Okay. My nominee for Best Supporting Performance is uh, kind of a mirror of Sam's Choice, but in a funnier movie, IMO. Um, and that is Nicholas Galitzine in Bottoms. Uh, <laughs> he plays the jock who is just complete a complete idiot, <laughs> but is the star of the school and has just no compunction about cheating on his girlfriend um, who Ao and Rachel kind of take under their wing to his anger. He just, he embodies that role so well, especially after seeing him in red, white and Royal blue. It just shows the range that he has both comedic and physically. He just does a really great job. And I think it's hilarious. And I think, like Ryan Gosling, who I really like, I think comedy performances should get a lot more recognition. And I think what he does is worthy of that. So now we got to vote. Now we got to vote. We are going in the opposite direction and you cannot vote for yourself. Damn it. Mm. Having said that, I will be voting for... <laughs> myself. <laughs> myself. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I think this is a really inspired choice, and I, I think this person is really the heart of their movie and integral to that main relationship, and I really like this choice, so I'm going to go with Andy Gonzalez in Flaming Hot. Mm. <laughs> Thanks. <Yeah. laughs> I kind of liked it. Quite, quite, the, quite the swerve. Thank you for that. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> is it me? No, oh, it's okay. me. I vote for Nicholas Galitzine. Yay! He was so funny. I do not talk to people in overalls. So good. <laughs> <laughs> for the monologue alone, I think I, I gotta go vote for America. I vote for Nicholas. Hmm. Is this barbarian? All over? <laughs> I had a chance. <laughs> Sam? Um, wow, I could make things interesting here, couldn't I? Just vote what you want, not for drama. <laughs> no, vote for drama. Make it but messy. But it's Sam. That's why we bring him on. That's what he wants. He wants drama. I mean, TBH, my vote is for America Ferreira, which means we're now in a tie. Okay. So how do we solve this? Well, then... I would have to vote again, but I can't vote for myself. Right. So you have to vote for us. Well, it's oh, so then Barbie wins. (laughs) (laughs) By a process of elimination, I would have to vote for Barbie. Yeah, huh? Cute. Okay, I'm happy. I mean, a great choice. They're all great choices. I guess everyone here hates physics, so so does Christopher Nolan. Physics is hard. Yep. You just definitely pulled the most random character from Oppenheimer as your choice, but okay. I'm sorry, I didn't go to <laughs> Variety.com, Best Supporting Actor. Variety.com. I don't shit. think so. I think that was a really solid choice. <laughs> that's Albert Einstein on the that's screen. Him. You can't tell me yeah, differently, that's, that's fucking him. Our supporting performance of 2023 is America Ferrera and Barbie. Yay!
I just, I genuinely don't think enough people are talking about About her. Amaris? I, I really oh. don't. And I mean, I think yeah. Ryan Gosling is pulling a lot of the yeah. conversation. If, yeah, if, if people are going to talk about supporting yeah. performance, they talk She's about on the round members. table. I think if the they love Barbie, she can get swept up. Mm-hmm. Ladies and gentlemen. Uh, movie number three. Let's keep this gravy train rolling. My number three movie of the year is Oppenheimer. Fuck yeah. Tom Conti, <laughs> best supporting actor 2024. I'm shocked. Algebra's like sheet music. The important thing isn't can you read music, it's can you hear it. Can you hear the music, Robert? Yes, I can. The least surprising thing I've said so far. Um, I loved all of it. I love the courtroom. I love the slow burn. I love the dialogue. Killian Murphy's one of my favorite actors in the game. Every every new male 30 to 45 year old white superstar that came on screen I was excited for like it's a movie that uh, on paper seemed like it was made in a lab for me and um 100%. they were right totally <laughs> <laughs> very much so I I I I when we saw it we had the um good fortune of having a really good crowd too so like everyone was really into it the silent moments were silent like I, I've talked to some people who had a not so great crowd, and you know there were there were parts of the movie that really depended on 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 tension and silence, like the atom bomb scenes. So I had an amazing theater going experience seeing it. So I think that only boosted its appeal to me in my top five list. But yeah, I fucking I love Oppenheimer. So my number three movie. My number three is Bottoms. Oh, say. I fucking dug this movie and it got. Mullet, do we have the same list? <laughs> we have it at number three, too. Number three. Number three, baby. Let's go. <laughs> I'm fucking dead. Yeah, I fucking dug this movie. Again, no shock to anything. It's a raunchy teen comedy, again, to use Josh's uh, term, made in a lab for me. It's also women directed, woman written there is a lot about this movie that people are like halfway through it goes off the rails halfway through it doesn't start making sense bitch give me more of that i want that that's when it gets good that's when it gets good yes (laughs) if it doesn't make sense but it's funny guess who's laughing me bitch i'm laughing (laughs) i was up in that theater wow my fucking head was chucked back and i'm like from the gut laughing so (laughs) yeah it deserves yeah it just deserves more eyes on it i think it's just like a resurgent of that that 2000s um teen comedy but with women and it's fine it's just like oh finally like i can i can this is what i've been wanting this whole time get out of the car you can't tell me what to do yeah no you can't okay i'm sorry that I looked at Mrs. Riley and lightly grazed her left tit, all right? Move, you prick! <sighs> uh, excuse me, she said move, prick. Don't talk to me, you ugly bitch, okay? I do not talk to girls in overalls. Okay, hey. I might be ugly, but these aren't overalls. Isabel, get out of the freaking car! Get out! Get out! Ooh, I Come feel on. like we 
should just draw. Oh, yeah. yeah, let's just go. You're being really just, mean just, right just, now. Just move a little. Stop He's gonna move. We're move about things. to drive. Should no. move. Drive. Just drive. Josie, go. Booksmart, but there was something about Booksmart that didn't hit the way Bottoms does. And I think Bottoms is just unapologetically bold. Yes. It is, it knows exactly what it's doing every step of the way. It's helmed by AO and Rachel and like a, just an incredible ensemble of young actors. Um, and Marshawn Lynch, who is fucking hilarious Literally. I put this on my letterbox review, sponsor us. Like, I'm so happy a movie like this exists. I, like, my teenage self was squealing. Um, I just, I think it's unapologetically queer. I think it's unapologetically female and i just ate up every minute of it every minute definitely we love a bottom my number three movie (laughs) (laughs) he's had that shit locked in the chamber since mel said he's just been waiting and loaded (laughs) dude shirted my heart was pounding i was like let me say it let me say it let me say it <laughs> the most tense moment of 2023 goes to that shit. Right? <laughs> uh, okay, my number three movie is also Past Lives. I think so. He's really masculine in this way that I think is so Korean. Are you attracted to him? I don't think so. I don't know. I mean, I don't think so. He was just this kid in my head for such a long time. And then he was just this image on my laptop. And now he is a physical person. It's really intense, but I don't think that that's attraction. I think I just missed him a lot. I think I miss Soul. Did he miss you? I think he missed the 12 year old crybaby he knew a long time ago. You were a crybaby? Yeah. Most of the time, he'd have to just stand there and watch me. Uh, and I don't have anything else really to add to what Rashawn was saying, other than that I just really love a movie that's like a. Um, a what if, you know, what if these two had gotten together? What if their relationship had blossomed like it could have? And this is a very fun and interesting and modern take on it. And what I really appreciate the most about Past Lives is when you have a movie with that kind of story to it, usually there's some kind of like angry confrontation that happens where um, the, the two people or maybe even the third will like have like a very angry yelling scene and this movie never goes into that they all speak to each other very respectfully and they it just it it takes this situation from a very grown-up perspective and that made it Mm -hmm. far more 
interesting. It's messy, but it's not loud. You dream in a language I don't understand is just, as a writer, I was like, fuck! That's a good line. (laughs) Yeah, that's good. That's a good line. And I agree with you, too. The last 15 minutes of the movie when, oh, God, the Uber scene to me was just the most riveted I've ever been this year when watching a movie. Uh, I still think about it. It's brilliant. It's just so simple. There's just, like, such a simplicity to this movie that is so nice. Um... Get ready for the a little controversy. Ah! <laughs> what? My number three <laughs> movie of the year is May December. Oh shit! Oh. Sam is unhappy. I'm not surprised. He was unhappy when y'all were talking about Bottoms. <laughs> I saw his letterbox review. He didn't like that one. No, I did too. Bottoms like eight five stars. What are you talking about? Wait, what movie were you like, this is not funny at all. I don't get it. <laughs> that sounds like Joyride. <laughs> <Probably Oppenheimer. laughs> oh, it's Joyride. Okay. Oh, yes. Joyride. I didn't like that one. Okay. I got them mixed up. But um, May, December. Um, last year, I had Todd Field. This year, Todd Haynes. Um, <laughs> this movie, man. Yes, I'm a sucker for actresses and really great performances. Like, just get off Twitter and and watch the movie because I, I don't care about all that. But I think this movie is so complex and so rewarding on repeat viewing. And the things that it does with this really ripped from the headlines storyline and kind of takes these three people and just makes them fully fleshed out humans that aren't all that great is just really masterful. Sammy... Birch did such a great job with the screenplay. There's another line that just devastated me in another movie. This is just what grownups do. And mm. the worst part about that is how true it is, but you hate the person that's delivering mm. it. The movie is full of so many moments like that where you're like, these people are are predators or monsters or or pariahs, whatever, vampires. They're just sucking off of people's trauma and life energy it's somehow funny until it isn't and it's entertaining until it's really really sad and it balances art and artifice and performance in real life in such a really deft way it's it's sad it's funny it's brutal i just i thank god for todd haynes i i think natalie portman is next level she has a a monologue delivered directly to camera that is Mm has so much to say about method acting as well and and how people Mm -hmm. perform it and how people perform when they're performing. It's just really layered and and really complex and I I can't wait to watch it again because it's it's dynamite stuff. I love it. Yeah, I am. And Charles Melton should win supporting actor. There, I said it. Check back. His his performance was gut-wrenching. Uh, I I really 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 like this movie. That was a good pitch. Was it? Talk your talk. You know what? Talk your talk. It's my space. Talk your talk. <laughs> I, I respect. I respect it. I'm glad you liked it. That's ruder than anything you could have said. <laughs> I'm really glad you liked it. <laughs> when 
Ladies and gentlemen. My number two movie of the year was already mentioned. This is the most fun, the most joy, best experience I had in the theater. And that is Renaissance, a film by Beyonce. Oh! In this world that is very male-dominated, I've had to be really tough to balance motherhood and being on this stage. It just reminds me of who I really am. Beyonce, y'all. Beyonce! <laughs> we already know we already know her power as a performer, as an artist. She's been in the game for almost 30 years now. That's great, but she approaches this film from a point of view of an auteur. And I think that's so... She didn't have to do that. She could have just put the concert on film and we would have ate it up. Mm-hmm. But she, as much as she can, as one of the most famous people in the world, she gives us this peek inside of her life uh, as a wife, as a mother, as a Black woman at the height of her career, in control of her entire creative existence. From self-titled till now, she's matured in such a way. I've, I've been here since No, 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 Part 1. You hear me? Like, I've... I've been in the trenches mm-hmm. and now to see her with, with Renaissance, it's just such a beautiful, beautiful look at an artist that I love. She said that she wanted to create a safe space for, for queer artists, for queer people, um, as a dedication to her uncle Johnny who passed away, but, uh, left such an influence on her and she's pushed herself in this new direction. I, I just felt so happy. I said in my letterbox to be black, to be queer to be a Beyonce fan. <laughs> and um, <laughs> it's it's just, it was really, really great. I mean, about five minutes in, we were sitting looking at this huge Dolby screen and I was just like, that's that's Queen. That's Queen Mother right there. You know what I mean? Like, that's, mm-hmm. that's Beyonce. Shout out to the AMC employee who gave me this lanyard before we went Aww. in. Like, I, was, I love it. Had it ready. Had it ready. I had it ready. It's hanging like right above with... <laughs> All this inspirational stuff. I, she, she inspired me. She, she made my year. Like Renaissance is the album for me, and I, and this film captured that perfectly. So. How did your theater do on the mute challenge? We failed. We failed. Yeah. <laughs> and, and we told them that they failed. And we told them. Sure did. It was a row, oh, row of five of us had to look around and be like, "Shut up." Shut the fuck up. <laughs> Have you guys seen? Is it? Is it Brazil? Yeah. Oh. Rec- recently? Bruh. She said forget it. Yazi said nah. <laughs> uh, okay. My number two movie was a very kind of fun experience for me. Um, obviously, I read a lot of articles on what the general field is in consensus for Oscar nominations coming up. And one name popped up under Best Actress that I hadn't heard of when I was doing this one day. And I instantly looked up a trailer, and just by that trailer alone, I booked a ticket to go watch the movie that exact same day. And that movie is Anatomy of a Fall, which for me was one of the most riveting stories of the year and had some of the best performances across the board. I'm sorry to interrupt. I'm sorry. But I don't know. You, you, you come here, okay, with your maybe your opinion, and you tell me who... Samuel was and what we were going through. 
But what you say is just, uh, it is just a little part of the whole situation, you know. I mean, sometimes, sometimes a couple is kind of a chaos and everybody is lost, no? And sometimes we fight together and sometimes we fight alone and sometimes we, we fight against each other, that happens. And I think it's possible that somewhere needed to see things the way you describe them, but if, if I'd been seeing a therapist, he could stand here too and say very ugly things about Samuel, but would those things be true? It's a great film where you have no idea if you can trust the leading character, which are always fun movies to watch in the first place. But this one, this movie never ultimately picks a side. You're just kind of left to decide for yourself. And I think everyone leaves the theater after watching this with a different opinion on whether they agree or disagree with the outcome. And that is just a very fun movie. And I think movies, the, the a criteria for a great movie for me is if you can leave the theater and you can't stop talking about it. And that's how I left the theater after watching this. My runner up for superlative was the fight scene was oh my god incredible stuff. incredible yeah uh life is about balance you know the good and bad black and white fire and water so sam your number two movie was anatomy of a fall my number two movie is teenage mutant ninja turtles mutant mayhem bitch <laughs> hell yeah out. brother um <laughs> Probably the most fun movie I've watched this year. Uh, uh, I've said this before. I, I talked about it a little bit in a previous episode, but I've been a, a Ninja Turtle. That's the Ninja Turtles were the first thing I was ever a fan of, and I've stayed a fan of them my whole life. I I, I love those four idiots. Um, and to me, this movie is the quintessential adaptation, at least of their personalities. You know, the stories and villains. Um, is up for debate, but in terms of who the turtles are, how they act, and how they interact with one another, this movie is unbeatable. Um, the animation is is crisp and and fun. It's that sort of new wave, sort of inspired by Spider Verse, hand drawn, resembling animation. The soundtrack is bananas. Mm -hmm. uh, runner up for best needle drop of the year for me with no diggity. Top to bottom, most fun I had in a movie. Is Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles: Mutant Mayhem. I loved it. It was it was one of the movies where I could not wait to rewatch it once it came out on streaming, and I did just that. Shout out to Paul Rudd. Shout out to Paul Rudd, dude. <laughs> Scene stealer Paul Rudd. And I mean, shout out to the four kids, actual kids who played the four turtles too, and 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 Seth Rogen for letting them just riff with one another because it's so it adds an an, an undescribable flavor to the movie that I think makes it so special. Is that like these four kids? are kids and they have chemistry with one another and they're just they're just fucking around <laughs> bacon, egg and cheese. it's so good my number two movie of the year was theater camp um yay i love a mockumentary you guys i grew up watching best in show uh, waiting for Guffman. One of my favorite shows of all time is The Office, Parks and Rec. Um, I love a mockumentary. 
and setting it in a kid's theater camp watching Ben Platt <laughs> at the at, at the end, quote unquote, of his career, inspiring all of these kids and coming to acceptance of what his career looks like. Uh, AO, this is the era of AO debris, by the way. Like, totally. I cannot wait to see what she does. She is so effortlessly funny. She's so great. She's so great when she's on screen. Um, I just thought this movie was so silly. I thought it was so heartwarming, and I thought it was so well done. I I really really loved this movie. It like fed the theater kid in me and inspired me as an artist now and just made me laugh and I just thought it was such a great time my number two surprise surprise is Barbie hi Barbie hi Barbie Barbie oh hey you've caught me reading oh I've been thinking Mm -hmm. Kenland Kendom Kendom. Kendom land. Land of land the, of the free and the men. Right. Well, this place Kendom is land. really great, and the Kens really are just better at ruling than the Barbies ever were. Well, we just took patriarchy and you know made a patriarchy. Yeah. Well, I was thinking. Yes. I'm ready to be your long-term, distance, low-commitment, casual girlfriend if you'll still have me. Do you just hold on for one second? Oh, okay. Sublime! We've, ta- we've talked about it a lot already. Um, so there's not so much more to say, but I just think this movie is kind of like unapologetic with its message. And I don't think it's subtle in any way, like at all, from like the costumes to the set design to the, the message, the monologues. Um, it's for, I think, like a certain audience. Like, yes, anyone can watch it, but I think it's really for like our age like we're really like the America Ferrera of it all and the nostalgia that it just like hits you over the head with but in the best way possible um I think I've seen this movie three times now there will be a fourth very soon um yeah it's just it it's just like a fun fucking movie and I find something new to love about it with each watch so hell yeah who else wanted to go out and buy a 2024 Chevy Blazer EV. (laughs) (laughs) Superlative for best ad placement goes to fucking Barbie. It's the car that America drives in is whipping around in. Like Uh, I caught it working on me in the theater while we were watching. I was like, that looks like a nice fucking car. Oh, wait, wait. Ladies and gentlemen. All right, y'all, it's time for some more awards. Um, I did the order, so I want actress last. So let's do actor. Okay, best actor for me goes to Paul Giamatti for The Holdovers. I think this is just such a touching performance, and it's got such a great arc for his character to go through. You love to hate him, and then at the end, you just love him. He just completely melts you. 
Um, and I think too, like if you were to like write down on paper the perfect part for Paul Giamatti to play, it would literally <laughs> be this. He is the character. The character is him. Um, and yeah, it's he's just very effective. He just did one of those like variety or deadline or like we look through all Paul Giamatti's past work with him on YouTube and it's really delightful. Highly recommend it to everybody. He's so great. And I feel like he's great in everything. And very rarely does he get so much um, like praise. Mm-hmm. I guess he always gets praise, but he's never like the one who's always like the most highlighted from the movie. And I feel like this is really a great movie for him to fully shine in. So yeah, a lot of the credit goes to him. Uh, my nominee is for a voice actor. Here we go. And that's Robert motherfucking Pattinson as <laughs> the Heron in The go. Boy and the Heron. <laughs> Let's go. Listen to that fucking voice and tell me that is Robert Pattinson. You can't. You cannot. You cannot say that that is him. This man completely transformed his voice and created a character that was menacing funny uh endearing um befuddling scary like in all the best ways he is magical he is whimsical he is scary i just love the everything about it and the fact that it's something we talked about earlier this year with mario and celebrities coming into animated movies and fucking phoning it in sometimes It's just it's them. Just them. It's like not even they're a, not. Yeah. They're just doing their voice. So to have an actor who is as renowned and known as Robert Pattinson to go into the studio and give us something so completely different was really exciting, and it was really fun to watch and really fun to listen to. Matt Matt Reeves let Pattinson use his uh, hair and voice for Batman. You fucking no. coward. <laughs> No. <laughs> Mine goes to uh, Coleman Domingo for The Color Purple. Mm. Um, I think he's always good. Like, he is one of those, you. I feel like he could just, like, come onto set, not even know what's going on. He would just be good. And <laughs> it's just, like, every time. And I feel like in The Color Purple, like, it is, we've seen this before, right? So you have it's a lot to live up to. And I think he does such a great job of not um, re or, you know, like imitating the other part. It's just like a new, a kind of like a new way of doing it, but still showing homage to the original part. Um, to the point where the part of Mr. is just like, so he's such a, just like, a fucker like it's just this part is horrible <laughs> you know like there's there's no redeeming qualities and i think it being coleman domingo in the part you feel bad for him especially towards the end to by the time we get to easter at the end it feels like yeah we are Celia and we are we have forgiven him at this point um and i think that's really hard to do but he does it so well my choice is franz Rogowski and passages this is not an enjoyable watch i think i said when i i reviewed it um but he is at the center of this really complicated triangle he kind of instigates uh, a relationship with a woman 
um, Adele Exgarchopoulos, uh, while he's married to Ben Whishaw. And he dances back and forth between them uh, over the course of the movie. It's really difficult to be the main character and make some of the choices that he makes. But I think not necessarily if you root for him, you understand why he's this kind of gravitational center for everyone in his life. He's a filmmaker and he just kind of bounces off people and moves on to the next. And it's really painful to watch him blow up his marriage and also this relationship that he forms. But I think he does it with really great talent. Um, uh, so yeah, I probably won't win, but that's okay. I think he's great. And, um, I think I think it's definitely worth a watch, and it's it's just a really good character study, um, and a really fearless performance because he can't he can't judge the character the way that we do, and and we definitely do. Um, once again, shocking no one. My best actor of the year is Killian Murphy in Oppenheimer. Uh, I think it, it's easy to forget about it or look past it just based on the size of Oppenheimer and the and, and the size of the cast, the supporting cast, but Killian was given a Herculean task in this movie to become one of the most influential people in the in the 20th, uh, 20th century um, and, and, and anchor every scene he's in with all of these other huge characters and big moments and jumping between uh, timelines and not timelines, jumping between times in his life as Oppenheimer. And I think Killian is just like, just the, 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 the sturdy rock in the middle of this wild hurricane of a movie that I think, I think he sends it home. And I, uh, he's easily my favorite leading performance of the year. Killian Murphy. Alrighty. <clears throat> time Open to vote. Time. Time to vote. In reverse. Mm -hmm. I think I gotta send my vote to the, the big G spot. Paul Giamatti. Oh. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I also vote for Paul Giamatti. We love to see it. I really enjoyed that movie. Mello? I vote for El Oppenheimer. <laughs> Good night, Oppie. <laughs> Good night, Oppie. <laughs> Uh-oh. I don't know who to vote for. Um, I'm going to vote for Killian. Damn, Sam. again. Hey, Sam. <laughs> we know what I have to pick. Or I guess, hold on. Oh, yeah. He I mean, Robert Pattinson would, was going to be my vote. But then who does then the tie? There's a tie between Giamatti and, and So who would re-vote? It would be me, and I'd have to go for Killian. Wow, look how that worked out. <laughs> wow, we're all having so much fun with these votes. <laughs> Fine. Hey, I voted for... Uh, the big G too already, so we just voted for each other. You did. Have you seen Holdovers? This is true. No, I haven't seen any of these except for um, uh, Oppenheimer. Oppenheimer and Boy in the Heron, but I just like. Oh, I mean, even if you voted for Robert Pattinson, Killian Murphy would. Yeah, I would have just laughed. 
Okay. Let's go. Killian Murphy for op- good night, Oppie. Good night, Oppie. Sleep tight. Beats. For uh, our best actor of 2023, it's time for the actresses. Um, my actress goes to Lily Gladstone from Pillars of the Flower Moon. I sang her praises not too long ago. I think she's phenomenal. Um, I love. I love a part that is just like stoic and, you know, the performances in the silence and in the the very small facial expressions. And I think she nails it. Um, so yeah, that's, that's my submission. You got to change yours, Rashawn? I do. <laughs> For me, my leading actress performance, I don't think it's any surprise, goes to Sandra Huller for Anatomy of a Fall. For a lot of the reasons I mentioned why I like the movie so much, um, she is in every scene. I think the movie depends on her performance and how much we believe her or want to believe her. But I think that's a very difficult job of stringing the audience along the entire movie to where even at the end, after the entire trial is done and the verdict is announced and you see her leave, you're still not a hundred percent convinced if she's guilty or innocent either way. And I think that is a difficult task to give an actress. Well, Sam was just about to just like spoil the movie right here. <laughs> I would never, I would never, I would never. You kind of can't. Can yeah. I don't really think you can spoil it either, but it's still fun to kind of go in and just see it all play out. Cause yeah. it's also a movie that's revealed to you in layers. You have an opinion of who she is and that opinion keeps changing as more and more of her past gets revealed for everyone in this highly televised court trial she finds herself in. And it's, yeah, it's, it's breathtaking. It's amazing. Sorry, Lacey, but I'm going first. Mine <gasps> is Emma Stone for you. poor things. Dick. <laughs> Start finding a backup. <laughs> Dick. Um, you can still vote for me if you want. Uh, yeah. I mean, kind of what we touched on earlier is Emma Stone is funny. She has this insane task of of being mentally an infant into an adult in a matter of hours, and I think she she sells it perfectly. She commits to an unbelievable extent. Um, I think this is the best thing I've ever seen her in in her whole career. I know I've given her flack in the past. I take it all back. <laughs> this dude, this she's. I think she's incredible in this. Emma Stone, poor thing. Oh, fuck. <laughs> was that your runner-up? <laughs> no, Sam had my runner-up. Oh, okay. Um, you know, I'm going to go with the heart pick. And my heart, since 2004, has always sung for Fantasia Barino. She uh, has to step into the shoes of Whoopi Goldberg. And that is... Not an easy task. With the shadow of LaShawn's and Cynthia Erivo also over her. Celie is a hard character because she's passive for most of her life. And even in this musical version, she's kind of stripped of her autonomy and some of her best songs. Until the third (laughs) act. And then when she becomes a full 
fully fleshed out character and woman, she she just lets it loose. And I think there is no voice on earth more raw and tinged with gospel and hurt and pain than Fantasia. And I think watching her sing I'm Here was like a religious experience. She, she the camera just stays on her. There's no flash. There's no razzle-dazzle, CGI, anything. It's just her singing in an empty store by herself. And the power is in her voice, but I also think she's a strong actress. Um, this is her debut film. And Damn, is she, it really? It is, yeah. That's crazy. And I, I think she I think she holds her own, and I think she stakes her place as one of the cinematic versions of this character. And I'm so... I don't even know her, and I'm so proud of her. I love her so much. <laughs> Fantasia Burrito. Well, damn. Um... I'm not scraping the bottom by any means, but <laughs> most of my options were taken. Um, <laughs> so I will put forth Natalie Portman in May, December. Don't um, do this, Lacey. God <laughs> uh, damn. I mean, it. Natalie Portman is Natalie Portman in all throughout that movie. It is, uh, I don't know. It is painful and egotistical and vengeful and pathetic. I mean, she really deftly plays 20 notes at once. Um, and e you equal parts fear for her and fear her throughout the movie. Um, and if her performance as a whole throughout the whole movie wasn't enough. The one monologue where you watch her just do her thing straight to camera is one of the most unnerving, gross, incredible pieces of film I think I've ever seen done. So Natalie Portman, May, December. If this was the Oscar five, I would be so happy. Um, yeah, that's sick. <laughs> Lily Gladstone, Killers of the Flower Moon, Natalie Portman in Mid-December, Emma Stone in Poor Things, Fantasia Barino, The Color Purple, and Sandra Huller in Anatomy of a Fall. Lacey? Oh, I vote for Emma Stone in Poor Things. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's Jump. me. Oh, I don't I don't want to vote. I'm not voting. Um, yeah, but you must. <laughs> not abstain. I think her performance in Zone of Interest might put her over for me. But I'm... Uh, I, uh, no, I, th I think nobody else did what she did this year, so I'm going to go with Lily Gladstone. Yes! Mm. Me? Um, Lily Gladstone. Come on. Um, I, I will also go Lily Gladstone. God damn, damn. it. And let's just, who you got, Mel? Lily Gladstone. <laughs> no! <laughs> it doesn't matter, she wins. I was gonna go for my girl, Natport. I mean, fuck. It was actually Fantasia and then Lacey came in with the swoop. Just give and... her a vote. <laughs> Lily already won. Natalie, Give her a it's Natalie Portman. You didn't like the movie. I like Natalie Portman. She's seen her <laughs> entire filmography, isn't that the right? The whole Lies. damn thing. 
<laughs> Her favorite Star Wars is number four. Yep. That's the, the ride of Rise of the Skywalker, baby. Yep. Oh, yeah. 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 Good job, Mel. Morgan. Somehow Palpatine is back. <laughs> Shout out to Taylor. <laughs> That's Lily. That's a winner. Mm-hmm. That's Lily a winner. Glass on the winner. Sheesh. That's a good performance, man. Our our acting winners for 2023. For supporting, we have America Ferreira and Barbie. Our actor is Killian Murphy and Oppenheimer. And our actress of 2023 is Lily Gladstone and Killers of the Flower Moon. Nice. That's pretty That's good. Big hitters. That's a good lineup. Um, okay. We are here at the end. Thanks for riding with us, y'all. Uh, let's flash back really quick to last year. Uh, our number one movies of 2022. Mela had Cha Cha Real Smooth. Josh had the Bob's Burgers movie. And Lacey had Matilda the Musical. And I had Babylon. Sam, what was your favorite movie of 2020? Everything, Everywhere, All at Once. gentlemen let's do it this is our number one movie of 2023 starting with sam my favorite movie of the year is the holdovers i had you got stuck with babysitting duty this year how'd you manage that oh i don't know i suppose i failed someone who richly deserved it oh the osgood kid yeah he was a real asshole Rich and dumb, popular combination around here. It's a plague. Uh, and you? You'll be here too? I'll buy my lonesome. My little sister Peggy and her husband invited me to go visit them at Roxbury, but I feel like it's too soon. Like Curtis will think that I'm abandoning him, you know? This is the last place that my baby and I were together. Not including the bus station. Mm. Well, I look forward to your fine cooking. Oh, no, no, don't do that. All we've got is whatever's in that walk-in. No new delivery. I think it is just the most wholesome, feel-good, heartwarming movie to come out in quite some time. And I think it's the perfect holiday movie. And I think it was just really... It was all just like a a wonderful... um, experiencing this movie in theaters around the holiday times right before I went home to see family. It's such a good sense of time and place as well. Like when you watch the movie, you really feel like you're with them on the East coast in this, um, high school seclusion. Um, yeah, it's just across the board. It was just perfect in every single way. My number one movie is salt burn baby <laughs> give me oh that bath water <laughs> i'm like ape shit for this movie it's stupid squat <laughs> and both his parents were dealing god and his mother's a drunk i mean babies can be really affected traumatized oh, they come out drunk is that right that he had to put his fingers down his mother's throat oh. to yeah. make her sick? 
Farley, that's private stuff. Well, you told us. In confidence. His mother's oh, sick. Don't His you mother was sick. That to me. Mother I, was I sick. think that's actually yeah, rather normal when you're poor. I think when you're poor, that sort of thing does happen a little bit more. I'm giving you one at a time. Good luck. He doesn't smile much. Farley seems to think he's ghastly. Why are you friends with him? Poor, not attractive, and his parents are drug addicts. I can't uh -uh. actually understand. And here he is now. We were just talking about Don't you. Don't be silly. Farley, you just make up the most oh. awful things. Of course we won't. Hello, Oliver, darling. Oh, what beautiful eyes. Oh, how wonderful. Yeah, I told you it wasn't a minger. Oh, but darling, you're kind about everyone. You can't be trusted. Like, what happened? I don't know. I don't care. I am still so, like, I think I texted Rashawn this, like, the resurgence of it going from, like, theater now to, like, on demand. And, like, <laughs> now everyone can see it on Twitter. It's just, like, I'm, like, in bed just, like, laughing my ass off with the memes and the tweets and everything. And I'm here for it. I think I, my last, or my three through one, as far as on my list, were all women directed and women written and I didn't notice that right away and I'm like fuck yeah um I've talked about this movie so much I feel like in the past four episodes um so there's not so much more to say other than I dig it I will be seeing it if not tonight tomorrow um because all my friends back home haven't seen it yet and I just want to watch them squirm um shouts out Homer what up, Homer? <laughs> so, yeah, I think, I mean, we've talked about the performances, Barry and Jacob, and I think they are have an incredible dynamic, and they're just good. Everyone's good. I love it. That's it. My number one movie, um, stars my favorite actor. It's directed by my favorite director. It came out on my fucking birthday, <laughs> Editing Rashawn, play Sister Christian. My number one movie is Air. Dude. But you know what? Once they've built you as high as they possibly can, they're going to tear you back down. It's the most predictable pattern. We build you into something that doesn't exist, and that means you have to try to be that thing all day, every day. That's how it works. And we do it again and again and again. And I'm going to tell you the truth. You're going to be attacked, betrayed, exposed, and humiliated. And you'll survive that. A lot of people can climb that mountain. It's the way down that breaks them. Because that's the moment when you are truly alone. And what will you do then? Can you summon the will to fight on through all the pain and rise again? Who are you, Michael? That will be the defining question of your life. I love I this movie. This goes you. beyond, it's like they made it in a lab for me. This movie is like if we did a, a draft and just like, all right, what's your ultimate movie? Mm -hmm. Damon, Affleck, Tucker, Messina, Bateman in a movie about the creation of Air Jordans? Huh? Directed by <laughs> Affleck? Huh? I watched this. We we went and saw this opening weekend again because it was my birthday and you all were very nice and came with me. And then the, the moment it came out on Apple TV, I watched it again. You guys were there. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, this movie is... I fucking love this movie. Best movie of the decade. Air. 
It's a great, great watch. Dad, dad movie of the century. Maybe. They are gripping oh, those uh, through and through. Boys. This is good stuff. That could have been your other superlative dad movie of the year, Air. I was gonna, it was gonna be that, but I knew I was gonna talk about Air at one, so. <laughs> How do we? <laughs> oh, surprising absolutely no one. My number one movie of the year is Poor Things. These two are fighting and ideas are banging around in Bella's head and heart like lights in a storm. Oh. You're always reading now, Bella. You're losing some of your adorable way of speaking. I'm a changingable feast, as are all of we. Apparently, according to Emerson, disagreed with by Harry. Come, come, just come. You were in my son. What? I have not stopped thinking about this movie since we watched it. I know I have had choice words about Emma Stone in the past. I take it all back. Good. Uh, This woman is a fucking superstar. Um, Cannot believe what she was able to accomplish in her character work so believably and so beautifully in this movie. It was so exciting as a woman to watch a pseudo Frankenstein retelling from the woman's perspective. I loved everything about it. I loved the costumes. I loved the outlandish characters. Mark Ruffalo has it never been more compelling to watch in anything I've seen him in. I think he is hilarious and slimy and just phenomenal. I also think Willem Dafoe is the unsung hero of this movie. He is doing such massive work under massive prosthetics and he is so compelling and so heartwarming. I mean, this movie, it's, it's, it's very simple feminism, I think, but it is such a great, uh, a great story of uh, female liberation and exploration and expression. And I I really just loved every minute of it. And I cannot wait to watch it again. I loved it. Also, shouts out to Rami Yusuf, like a master class in being the straight man. Yes, yes he was yes. so good. Yeah. My number one movie of 2023 is Andrew Haig's all of us strangers. Oh, wow. Drink. This Japanese. It's meant to be the best in the world, but I, I couldn't tell you why. So. No, thanks. Okay, um... Okay, how about I come in anyway? If not for a drink, then... For whatever else you might want. Um, I think that's a good idea. <laughs> Do I scare you? No. We don't have to do anything if I'm not your type. There's vampires at my door. Yeah, like I said, uh, my entire list is about the past and the present and just complete transparency 
I do not want to be a downer on the end of the episode, but <laughs> um, but um, coming out to my parents was one of the most devastating moments of my life, and it's like an open wound that you know I, I every so often just kind of uh, burst open, you know, and and I think the way that this movie deals with that and reckons with with realizing that your parents are just so completely human and flawed is incredible. The way that it deals with possibly the queer experience of, of being a gay man being incredibly lonely. Um, but there's hope of finding community and, and someone to love and choosing love. And I just love the conversations that the four characters all have. Uh, Andrew Scott, Paul Meskel, Claire Foy, and Jamie Bell are all just, masterful and and um it's my favorite ensemble of the year it's 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 so sad and maybe a little uplifting but more so sad than anything else um (laughs) but i i cried for the entire runtime it's just so devastating but also real this is the kind of movie i love this is the kind of movie i want to make and i'm just so incredibly happy that it exists so if you can see it when you can see it i think Andrew Haig is just a very unique filmmaker and, and he what he does here is, is great. Uh, so yeah. We did it. Oh my god, we did it. Baby. Fake ID. Um any final thoughts, any other honorable mentions, anything you didn't get to mention, throw it out if you like. This was a great year for me for stand up. Um John Mulaney obviously had his. Mike Birbiglia we've talked about. Gary Goldman, uh, uh, and on uh, a really favorite stand-up of mine, just released a special. So like, I know we don't really mention that much, but I, I'm a I'm kind of a stand-up snob. This is a, a really great year for it. I'd also like to shout out a documentary called The Boy Who Lived. Um, it's a, a about the stuntman who was uh injured during the filming of harry potter he was daniel radcliffe stuntman um and he lost his ability to walk um and it's his it's his experience of becoming a stuntman working on the movies the joy of all that and then learning to pivot in life after his accident and what could have been a very devastating story was really one of positivity and hope and uplifting. And it was um, a, a really beautiful watch and uh, pay your stunt people and protect your stunt people because they're the reason we are not getting hurt on set. Um, Shouts out to Jack Quaid playing the bongos and Oppenheimer. What the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> We did it, guys. We made another list, the final list for 2023. One more shout out to our listeners who have been amazing this year, who have stuck with us through insanely chaotic episodes and fights. But uh, (laughs) like I said at the top, you guys are the reason that we do this and a chance to get together and just talk about movies and things that we love and that inspire and change us has been amazing. And it's been a safety net and a a safe space for all of us. So thank you for listening and pressing play every time. Thank you, Sam, for being here. 
Thanks, Sam. Thank you for having me back again. Hey, Sam. And goodbye to 2023, 2024. Let's see what you got. And that's it for this episode of When Santa Falls Attack. As always, we would love if you like, subscribe, rate, and review us on Apple Podcast. You can find this and all of our episodes on Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, anywhere you get your show, especially on Good Pods. Please support that uh, up and coming app. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Cinephile Attack. And if you have a suggestion for a new episode in the new year, gauntlet, showdown, list, anything, email us at WinCinephilesAttack at gmail.com. One more time for the end of the year from Rashawn, Bella, Josh, Lacey, and Sam.